Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, continue on uh, ingesting data. It's real interesting because you can use this tool called Singer to ingest data. Um, so what it does is it takes the RESTful API and uh, you, um, you get the uh, schema from uh, from Singer, so it it um, it knows what the uh, metadata is. So it produces a metadata in the form of a JSON string and gives you the name of the fields and so forth that um, are going to be ingested into the database. And so what Singer does is it uses uh, a last updated date and uh, and so it grabs um, the records that have changed since uh, greater than a certain date and those become updated um, so what, what it does is you have a write schema and then you also have write records so once you have the schema sent uh, to the database, then you can write records to it. And the records are basically in batch and they um, allow for uh, processing of the records from one data source to another. And uh, you can imagine like uh, if you're pulling data from hundreds of sources or maybe even thousands of sources into your data lake, how large that data lake is going to become. But uh, very powerful and uh, RESTful is a very uh, well-proven technology, so um, you're, you'll open up uh, these pipelines and then uh, you, so Singer, what it does is it uh, you have uh, taps and drains. So taps is uh, piped into drains and uh, use pipe notation. Love it because it's kind of like PowerShell's pipes and PowerShell's pipes are very powerful. It almost makes me wonder if PowerShell, uh, we're seeing the beginnings of what could become the language for transforming warehouses. Uh, just works so good and you can pull in multiple data sources and you can do all your transformation uh, in PowerShell. And so you can basically create uh, these equivalents of these pipes and, or taps and drains. Now, one of the things that Python does really well is that you just say the script, uh, pipe, and then to the drain. And uh, it, uh, um, processes it so you you know it's very modular and uh, you get your data uh, running from scripts so you write out your scripts and then you execute them in batch so you can really see the power of modular programming massive parallel processing and large data lakes and then once you get all that data up into your lake you use PySpark and a spark uh, uh, cluster on a Spark cluster driving, the driver talks to the manager on the Spark cluster and you start analyzing that data. And uh, using statistical thinking, 
uh, start to look for behaviors and look for you know what the coefficients are saying and and uh, categorical ranking and what does that mean and you know start to uh, having these interactions with the model to understand what the, what it's discovering and that's going to be kind of like what I see in the future more of data analysis and engineering what will be is is that uh, as you begin to build these models, thinking about uh, uh, what uh, makes them uh, work well. Well, yesterday I did a little bit with uh, Grid Search CV. Okay, what Grid Search CV does is you you take your pipeline. So say like your um, you you have a logistics regression pipeline. So you set up your uh, standard scaler. So that's going to normalize your data then you uh, pass that normalized data into your logistic regression. But then the question is, is what parameters should I use for my logistic regression that would best fit my data? So the way you can do that is you can set a grid parameter and then you put the parameters or key value pairs and you put them into that grid parameter data dictionary and then you pass that into uh, grid CV and you use your estimator will be uh, your pipeline. So then you take your data set and you split it into tra X, tra X train, X test, uh, Y train, Y test. <clears throat> and then you do um, your, uh, uh, your grid uh, CV, search grid CV. Um, fit on your X train, uh, Y train data. And uh, once you have that, it will run. It will run for a little while. You can you have to specify how many K folds you want. What a K fold is, is it's uh, you stratify your data into a number of different folds and uh, it simulates what the uh, what it would look like for the model to get um, data as it comes in in partitions. So <clears throat> it's trying to look at all the different aspects of your data and see how well it performs. Then you get scores on your uh, different folds and, uh, and what those parameters are for each one of the folds and how it performed. And uh, it goes through all these iterations, uh, what we call combinations, which is a product of of the uh, features and uh, so you, if you have five features um, then it would uh, be a product of, of all the values for each one of those five features so it can get really large and it take and you have to be careful about how many parameters you put in that grid parameter and then how many uh, uh, co uh, coefficients for each parameter that you want to test but you can run it through, and I like line space because lint space, because I can set the a range and then I can have it uh, uh, divided into equal segments on that range. And, uh, and then I run that and it will then give me the parameters. And so originally on my, uh, on my let's see, on my credit card approval predictions, that's what I was using. I was like at 80%. And after I ran the grid CV with uh, 
retrofit equals true, uh, my, my estimated value jumped to, um, my accuracy value jumped to 84%. So it did give me a 4% improvement. And that's significant if you're, if you were dealing with finances. Um, and it's also 4% on improvement in classification also is significant. Um, then what I did is, uh, you know, you can analyze, you can put a PCA in your pipeline and then you can analyze the coefficients of the PCA, uh, principal component analysis, and it can tell you if any of the features can be removed. Uh, so removing those features removes noise uh, without any degradation in accuracy. So the that was kind of cool to see those results. And, you know, even though Grid CV did run a long time, um, it was still worth running. Well, and then I put in a MLP classifier and uh, it originally was outperforming the logistics regression, but once I was able to tune uh, the logistic regression, it outperformed the MLP, because the MLP, which is your neural net, um, you know, I was struggling to figure out what the uh, neuron layers should be look like. Um, and the, um, uh, so I, I did have some ideas on how, uh, well, to, like I had 26 features, so I did have to add a 26 uh, neuron input, and then I had 150 neuron middle layer and I think I made a mis error in how many I had neurons I had in my output because I wasn't getting uh, great results and I think it was like 80% or something like that and so after I tuned tuned my MLP uh, it came up I think to 82% but then when I tuned my logistic regression it jumped to 84%, so then I, I went with the logistic regression, thinking that it um, had done real well. Well, you know, and I'd, I'd seen some pretty good results from MLP with the wine data set, and, uh, you know, I'd done, I, I'd used that, and uh, well, I liked the performance there. Well, now, remember, if you'd use uh, grid search uh, CV, and it takes an extreme amount of time because you have lots of parameters. Uh, consider using random search CV. And what that's gonna do is it's uh, not gonna run every single permutation or combination, but it will take a, a random selection. And given enough time, that random selection will uh, give a pretty good approximation of what is the best model and the best parameters without uh, utilizing extreme amounts of resource to get there. So you can really see like where quantum computing could be very valuable in AI in terms of solving these uh, very hard problems that take lots of computational time is what will the quantum machine or like our brain, if our brain is a quantum machine, 
you know, I'm not saying our we're just we are just brain. We we have spirit too, but uh, but if the brain is a quantum machine, and it would explain how we are able to get parameters, our brain finds these parameters so quickly. I always find it interesting the people that can walk a tightrope. Uh, just how is the body able to adjust so minutely all the muscle combinations that would be necessary to maintain balance on a tightrope? Especially when that tightrope is kind of vibrating or if they're walking across uh, a certain area and there's a, some sway to it. You know, just how, uh, how does the body compensate for that movement and adjustment? And uh, it's, it's really amazing, you know, that balancing act. But yet, uh, you know, you can put a couple of neurons together you, in a reinforcement learning network. And you can do the balancing pull. You give it uh, policies and, and uh, it corrects for those conditions, penalties and rewards. It corrects for those positions um, and, uh, and it's uh, able to... Uh, balance that pull and by making adjustments to the left or right based on these reward systems. So, um, you know, so when you look at uh, more uh, complex systems like, you know, walking a tightrope, you know, there's obviously more neurons involved and they, uh, they learn how to converge on moving the, the legs in three dimensions or maybe even two dimensions to sustain that that balance or maybe there's something in the hands and slight adjustments in the arm positions that are shifting slightly shifting that center of mass and keeping it above the uh, a certain line position that is sustaining balance well and, and it's so difficult when you think about uh the process of walking they actually say it's Walking is like falling, actually. You're falling into uh, predicted positions that the brain has uh, realized um, that are valid positions to um, Anyway, so... Uh, these fuel efficient spots drive me nuts. Well, we'll uh, talk later. There's a lot to be learned in machine learning and uh, hopefully you're enjoying your Python coding. Until we talk again, happy Python coding.